Hey, welcome to Kingsway Caring Bar. We are a community inspired by love to live differently. I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. It's so great to have you with us. We pray this teaching will inspire you, build your faith, and lead you to a life of fullness and freedom in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Some of the things that I'm really interested to talk about today um, have sort of just come out through the songs that we've just been worshipping in together, so that's pretty awesome. We okay, Greg? Got some sweet booms. I'll let you fix that for a minute. We're, we're in a, a, nearing the end of a series in Ruth at the moment, and if you haven't read Ruth, obviously that would be a great thing for you to do, because we're right near the end. It will only take you 20 minutes to read the whole story, but uh, have a go if you haven't. I'm going to do a near end of story spoiler today if you haven't already read it. Just to pick up on where we've been, so Ruth's got four chapters, I'm starting chapter four today, uh, but I just want to give you a bit of a recap on where we've been. Rather than me tell you, I thought that I'd show you because we've got this concept and idea that God is behind the scenes directing. So God's a bit of a director. So if Ruth was a movie, God is the, the director of the movie of Ruth. And so I thought, in, by way of recap, we should just see how the story of Ruth has unfolded. So it's a great movie. You should see it. Actually, if you, you can get the movie of Ruth on YouTube, and it's quite a watch. <laughs> I'm going to read to you uh, the first part of chapter four. I'd encourage you not to open your Bible to Ruth today, but instead to close your eyes. I'll pick up just at the end of chapter 3, but what, what I encourage you to do is just start imagining uh, what the scenario is. We've got Boaz, who is um, excited to go and to try and redeem not only land, but people. He's found relationship with Ruth, and he's pretty keen on her, but he needs to go and figure out a way to do that in the right way. And so he's got to go and figure that out. So close your eyes, try and imagine the picture. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? And Ruth told Naomi everything that Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley. And he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And Ruth said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. This man won't rest until he's followed through on this. He will settle it today. So Boaz went to the town gate and he took a seat there. And when the family redeemer that he'd mentioned before came by, Boaz called out to him. He said, hey, come over here, friend. I want to talk to you. And so they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten of the leaders and the elders from the town who were there too, and he asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab? She's selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I felt that I should speak to you about it, so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land... 
then buy it here now in the presence of all of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I'm the next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, yeah, all right, I'll redeem it for sure. Then Boaz told him, well, of course, just so you know, the purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will keep and carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Oh, then I can't, I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because, well, it might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I can't do it. Now, in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer took off his sandal. As Boaz said, you buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd that was standing around, you are witnesses today that I've bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. And with the land that I've acquired, Ruth, the Moabite woman of Malon, to be my wife. This way, she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and inherit the family property here today in his hometown. And you are all witnesses of this today. Then the leaders and all the people standing there replied, yeah, we are witnesses to this. May the Lord make the woman who is now coming into your home just like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel is descended. May you be great in Ephrathah and famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestors ancestor Perez, son of Tamar and of Judah. So Boaz married Ruth and took her home. Smashing part of the story. Like, if we're talking about climactic moments, this is one of the big, big points in the story. You know, we've had Ruth and Naomi return from I guess, destitution from, from pain and sorrow, both widows. And they found themselves in the presence of Boaz, who just happens to be somebody who can help. And through a whole bunch of unusual circumstance, through serendipitous moments, through chance, there's a pathway to this redemptive moment where the land can be restored and where the people can be restored. But as we know, because that's what we've been talking about, that God is actually behind the scenes of this entire story, weaving and creating, creating opportunities, putting people in the right places at the right time. And I guess by now, in this end part of the story, there should be absolutely no surprise that part of what God does is weave things together. God is behind the scenes of this story, bringing all the threads together, making a way making a way for a point where not only um, a family name, 
but some incredible people of great faith and great trust and great loyalty can be brought back into a place of honour in their family and in their community. And some of the some of the just the the accidental moments in just in that little story are really quite clear. You know, it's not just you know Boaz went really clearly to go and say, "I'm going to get this job done. I want this to be done, but I want it to be done right. I want it to be done right." So he goes to the city gates because that's where a lot of transactions happen. It's like a it's like a court area where. Um, People can have discussions and, and there's witnesses around and things can happen in the right and proper way. But you, you would have heard that he didn't actually organise for anybody, or any of the other parties to be there. They just happened to be walking past. The person who was the, the rightful redeemer of the land, or, or would have been a relative of Boaz, uh, just happened to be walking past just by chance. All of the elders and all of those who are in positions of authority just happened to be there. And not only did they just happen to be there, but they weren't busy enough that they had to keep going. That when Boaz says, hey, would you like to stop for a second? I'd like a chat. Let's sit down and talk. I've got some business to deal with. Not only the elders were ready and able to do that, but this other family redeemer was also able to stop in his day and just be ready to have a talk. Just accidents by chance. Or really, was it God behind the scenes allowing some moments to happen and Boaz was there taking each of those moments because he was ready and he was aware and he was thinking, this is the right way to do this. And I'm hoping that God will come through for me at the right time so that this can happen. And as it all unfolds and and as the transaction takes place, I just can't help being reminded um, quite over and over, actually, as I I read all of the book of Ruth, that um, Romans chapter 8, and I think it's verse 28, um, talks about all things working together for good uh, for those that love the Lord. And I think this entire account of Ruth just seems to repeat that sort of theme, that all things just work together for good for those that love him. Everything happens under God's support and under, under God's rule, and all things work together for good. Now, in the light of movie making, um, a, a very famous old movie maker named um, Elijah Kazan, um, who was the director of A Streetcar Named Desire, a really famous, really well-renowned uh, director, he, he said that 90% of directing is the casting. If you get the cast right, the show's gonna go well. He directed a whole bunch of movies and a whole bunch of Broadway shows. And uh, I just want to talk about some, one particular member of the cast more so today, and that's the cast member of Boaz. <clears throat> now, if, if you remember um, back to when Jess sort of introduced for us a couple of weeks ago, um, laying the, the groundwork for um, where Ruth happened, it was in the time of the judges, where there was no king in Israel, And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone was just doing what they were doing. What feels good to me, what feels right to me, that's what I'm going to do. And Boaz is working in amongst this community of people who are just doing their own thing because it feels right to them. But he just acts completely differently from that. 
He's driven from a whole different place. He's driven from a place where he knows and he understands the law. And there's two particular laws that he's dealing with in the midst of this transaction. The first one is uh, written in Leviticus 25, and that's a, a, a law that surrounds the purchase of or the redemption of land. That if somebody um, isn't able to afford their land or loses their land or, or there's a death in a family and the land is lost, that God sets some rules, some significant rules around how to deal with that and how that land can be redeemed or, or bought back. And there's, there's, it's quite, quite a complex law. It sort of reads like a lawyer's written it a little bit. Uh, but it's, it's, it talks about the fact that there's the year of, jub, the, the year of jubilee um, in, in where things are given back. Um, but the purchase of a land any time before the year of jubilee has to be done, you know, sort of in like, well, it's six years to the year of jubilee, so I can buy back the land, but it's a six years worth or if it's 10 years worth of money. You know, there's this quite a deep complexity around, I want to buy back the land, but there's laws written about that, how it can be done. And anyone who owns land that's been lost has to give permission for a redemptive conversation. So Boaz goes into this conversation with his family redeemer, the one who has got the rights to this land, and he knows the deal, that it's his first. And so he asks the questions. It's yours if you want it. It's your responsibility to do that. I want to talk about that. And, the, and this, this, this guy who's got the privilege and the right to do that, we don't ever know his name, and I th- I'm, I'm sure that um, the writer of Ruth doesn't want us to know this person's name because they're not actually an important person in the story. Boaz is the, the key cast member here. It's his actions and it's his character that, that the writer wants to focus us in on. So the guy says, yeah, I'll take the land for sure. But Boaz is then working under another law that's in Deuteronomy 25 that is a family responsibility piece that says if somebody in your family dies, then it's your responsibility as a cousin or, sorry, as a a family member to marry and to have children with and to, to carry on the name of so that the name of that family can continue. And so Boaz is working in in this, I know the law and I want to do what's right by the law. And so the conversations I'm having are God's conversations in the way that he set them out to be. I'm going to follow the law that says, I'm not going to just go in and try and take this. I'm not going to go and try and take a wife. I'm not going to go and try and take land. I'm going to go and ask the question. And it turns out that that the guy that has the rights to the land and to the relationship doesn't want it. Obviously, there's some complexity there, whether that be in his own family or in his dealings with his own inheritance, but he doesn't want to, he loved the land, because who wouldn't? But when it starts to build into that other piece in Deuteronomy, that relational piece, he gets all stuck up. He gets caught up in, I don't know, and I'm not sure, and it's not going to work out for me. It's, I want to do things what feel right for me. And so instead of taking up his own responsibility, he follows the cultural norm of everybody else doing what they think is feeling right for them. And so he passes on the opportunity and Boaz grabs both of those right things to do. Boaz is a man that's driven out of compassion. He's seen Naomi and he's seen Ruth and he's understood their plight and he wanted to do something to to help. He was driven and compelled. 
He was driven and he was compelled, acting out of love for what was an incredibly dedicated and loyal and upright woman. He was certainly acting from a place of love because of the relationship that he'd built with her over time. And so what we end up seeing is this incredible contrast between a guy named Boaz and a guy who we don't know. A guy who's doing things the way that he knows is the right and just and upright and godly way and a guy that is working somewhat to the way that he feels and what he wants to do. There's a huge contrast there. And the writer is very purpose in making that contrast. He wants us to know how deep and how great the character of Boaz is. It's not a man who's doing what's right in his own eyes. In fact, um, I, I, I feel things like um, in the book of Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, that little passage that says, the, the, the Lord has told us to do what is good um, and what is right and what he requires of us, to do what's right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. That's a, a verse that we've talked about a fair bit over time here as a community, to do what's right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. This is, uh, this is Boaz doing what's right. Not only that, um, in Psalm chapter 1 says that blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. And there's a beautiful picture of a guy named Boaz who is deeply understanding what God's decrees are and just choosing to follow and do the right thing. And whatever he does just prospers. So we've got this like mega climactic scene and this is the, the big redemption happens here. The family name of Elimelech, the family name of Kilion and Marlon will continue now, which is huge for that family. The land is restored to its rightful owners and Ruth and Naomi have now found safety, they've found security, they've found love and they've found a home, which is something they haven't had for such a long time. They've been redeemed from sorrow, that sorrow has been brought back to life. They've been redeemed from hardship, that hardship has been bought and purchased and paid back into something more safe. And Naomi, as she said, please don't call me Naomi, call me bitter, has now been restored and redeemed. I think it could potentially be fair to say as, I, as you read through and, and understand this book that potentially, um, like if you maintain the course of integrity, then things are going to go okay for you. I don't know whether that's a fair statement or not, but it just seems like as I read through Ruth, it just goes, these are the people that maintain their loyalty, they maintain their integrity, and things just end up going right. I mean, after all, all things work for good for those that love the Lord, right? Or is that right? Is that your experience? It just all things just end up working out all the time? I know it's not mine, and I'll hedge bets that it's not yours. It's a difficult piece to navigate. I'm reading a story in history that says 
upright and wonderful people where things are going bad, but inevitably God steps in and directs and everything goes right. And that is not my experience in life. It would be dangerous to think that way. Perhaps maybe if we look a little bit closer at the concepts. The biggest idea in Ruth is about redemption, a buying back. And this is a story, it's a real story, it's a true story um, of Boaz, of Ruth and of Naomi. But it's not my story. My story is really different. Your story is going to be really different too. But the thing that connects all of our stories here and now today definitely is Jesus. And so if I look forwards into God's word and I understand both forwards and backwards a little bit more about this big idea of redemption, what it means to buy back. The story of of Boaz inside the story of Ruth is this great man buying back, buying back, redeeming, giving back it to a place of honour, getting things done right. Jesus does that for you and Jesus does that for me. Romans chapter 3 verse 24 says really clearly that um, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. The redemption for us is the redemption of our heart, not necessarily of our circumstance. Jesus steps into your circumstance and he steps into my circumstance, but he's after your heart. He's after my heart. And the work that he's done is about buying back and redeeming us from a place of loss and separation. That's what Jesus does. And that's the same that happens in the story with Ruth. She's brought back from loss. She's brought back from separation. She's brought back into a place that's right. And it's freely done by Boaz. For you and for me, that's Jesus. And Jesus buys us back. But he buys us back from the penalty and the wages of sin to be made right in the sight of God. Isn't that good? And it's not that he doesn't care about my circumstance. It's not that he doesn't care about your circumstance. In fact, he very much cares about our circumstance. And I think in the character of God that we see behind the story of Ruth in his orchestration of things, I don't think is any different to today. God doesn't change that way. But it's not his primary function and his primary goal. His primary goal is my heart. His primary goal is your heart. And that's hard. Like, that's, a hard that's a hard ground to till. You know, God can move mountains, but it seems harder to change a heart than it does to actually physically move a mountain or to open a sea or to stop the sun. But to grab someone's heart took a significant effort and still takes significant moments for people to respond. It might actually be helpful if we read Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We 
we know that all, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Romans 8.29 goes on to say that for God, God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Can you hear the redemption in that space? God's chosen you to become like his son. That's the big goal there. That's the big redemptive piece there that's there for us. He's buying you back. He's buying back your heart so that you are made right in his sight. But what's this idea of good? All things work for the good of those who love him. I went and dug on this word a little bit because it was frustrating me. Because I've got an idea of what's good, you know, what I think is good, what I feel is good, and it's not always the way that things work out. But um, when, when Paul wrote these words, he was meaning something a little bit different from my version of good. And it's, it means this good in nature. Whether it's seen as good or not, it's good. It's good in nature. Inherently good. Um, this, this is pretty cool. It's a little bit confusing, but it's pretty cool. It describes, the, it, this word good describes what originates from God and is empowered by him in my life through faith. Whether it's seen as good or not, it's inherently a good thing, an okay thing. It's okay. It's like saying, I, I, I guess for me, I, I, I hear that as, I'm okay. It's good. Not, oh, this is a good circumstance because the circumstance is going to come at me in different ways. God's going to work all things together for his inherent, intrinsic, he is good, good. It's going to be okay in his sight. Ruth chapter 4 talks about a redemption but it's a redemption of a family. It's a redemption of lives. Jesus offers the redemption of my heart. But he will, as I said, continue to work behind the scenes as a director. And my challenge is this. How do I see that? How do I see that? How can I sit in a place where I can be aware enough to look at the moments and see where God's moving in those moments? How can I have the posture where I'm thinking that way? Even if circumstance, particularly when circumstance isn't good, in my opinion, do I have the eyes to see what God might be doing in those spaces? Can I be aware enough to see the opportunities and then allow God to weave those things and potentially the things that are challenging or difficult or hard for me, allowing him to weave those difficult, hard and challenging things towards what is his good. And I know for Boaz, he knew his word. He knew the law. I don't think that's changed for us. You know, Colossians chapter 3 talks about the fact that we should let God's word dwell in us richly to let it go deep into us and who we are, to be understanding who God is by what he said. And the more that you focus into on who God is and what he says, the more you're going to understand 
what he's doing in and amongst the spaces of your life. If I put my blinkers on and I just look at the frustrations and the challenges that are right ahead of me, I'm not going to see anything but the frustration that's ahead of me. But if I choose to focus and dwell deeply and richly in the things that God has said, my perspective is going to shift. I'm going to see things differently. I'm going to see things more God's way, which gives me the opportunity to see what God's doing in the midst of my challenge. And I can see this when I look at the book of Ruth. Mostly because it's just written right out for us. Serendipitous moments, accidental moments. God steps in, this person arrives. Naomi and Ruth head to a particular field and they land in a particular field of someone who can just accidentally help. But it's not the right person, but it's almost the right person. And then that right person is actually knowing the word. And, you know, there's all these little bits and pieces that fall in the way. It just clearly lays it out for me. My life doesn't look like that. My life looks like a mess of complex challenges every day here and there. But Boaz was the one who sat firmly in God's word and went, all right, I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick, oh, I see that, I see that, I see that. I'll allow God to weave this into the story. And that's my challenge as well. And my guess is that's probably yours too. Ruth tells us that God's in the moments. I guess we need to be people who choose to look out for those moments in our story. While we continue to do things God's way and the right way, not the way that feels good to us, because our culture, I don't think, has changed very much from the culture in the time of the judges. People just doing what feels right to them. Let's continue to do things the way that God would call us to do them. Be dwelling richly in his word and see the moments and allow God to weave those into our story for his concept of good. Let's pray. I really do want to thank you for your word, God. And I thank you that you quite clearly lay out for us a deeper understanding of who you are and how you operate. And God, in the midst of the challenges that fill each of our lives, God, will you allow us the grace to be able to see what you're doing so that we can give you the chance to weave your things into our circumstance for your good. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. If you'd like to connect with us, make a financial gift, or find out more about Kingsway Churches, head to kingsway.org.au. Have a good one.